He knew where he was going as soon as he walked into the arcade. He moved past the rows of busy children, blaring computer voices, flashing lights, and ringing bells. He walked past the line of old-fashioned pinball machines, all of them empty, all flashing and calling like outdated mechanical hookers vainly trying to tempt the passing trade. Lightning a recap in Spring Fingered Jack by Susan Casper. A man plays a video game and then goes out into the world. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. This is Short Story Short Podcast, a part of the Baxter Garcia group. Uh, <laughs> Christopher J. Garcia here today with Christy L. Baxter. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I'm just making up my own crowd noises now. <laughs> you know, if you hadn't said that, I would have known. Uh, it's fall school is back in session and i feel like, like reading something uplifting and beautiful but what did i read instead instead you read spring finger jack by susan carver casper casper sorry <laughs> <laughs> and let me say this actually comes from an anthology from 1990 88, actually, uh, by Susan Casper, one of the co-editors, along with my sadly departed friend, Gardner Desois, uh, famous for editing uh, Asimov's magazine for a couple of decades. And this story in particular, I call out for two reasons. One, it's a Jack the Ripper story, and who doesn't love the Ripper? Right. But two, it actually makes a very interesting point that intersects with both the concepts of the time that were in the news, as well as what we see today. And the basic concept is this. A guy gets off work, goes to the arcade, and he finds a Jack the Ripper themed arcade game. And it's sort of hinted that it's like a I don't want to say mystical, but it's a more secretive game. It's not like Galaga. It's just a a machine in the back. And this fella goes back and the game is you going through and doing the Jack the Ripper crimes. Which really... Oh, Oh, go ahead. I found a typo also. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Coin clot. <laughs> oh, that is an interesting one, huh? Yes. Go on. Um, I was just saying, like, yeah, this this idea of uh, video games inspiring violence and stuff like that really seems like this... Uh, the story captured that the kind of the essence of that, that fear. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's interesting about that is one, I just realized just now that this anthology would have come out in 1988, which would have been the 100th anniversary of the Ripper crimes. And 
this is one of the reasons I was I got into true crime was there was so much coverage in 88, uh, including a very, very famous uh, The True Identity of Jack the Ripper hosted by Peter Ustinoff that had John Douglas and Martin Fido and uh, Donald Rumbelow all talking about who they thought was was the Ripper. And uh, it makes sense that this would come out in 1988. But at the time, video game violence was a topic. And it was still a couple of years before we had congressional hearings, which happened because of Doom. But it definitely was. And at this point, it sort of got folded into the sort of satanic panic of the time. Of course, you know, when you can, when you ever you can save space by folding one moral panic into another, it is the most economical way to pack. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that we had the satanic panic happening at the time when you were getting so many conspiracy laden uh, takes on true crime. You had, of course, JFK was 25 years at that point, 1963. So 88 would have been 25 years. You had the Zodiac killings uh, in 1968, 69. So you had this sort of, uh, you know, all, all of these books were coming out at that point that were equating, you know, Jack the Ripper to the Masonic conspiracy, the weird ass mathematical conspiracies and uh, more deep sort of satanic themes within the Zodiac crimes. And of course, uh, the actual correct Masonic conspiracy around the murder of, uh, well, the supposed murder uh, of John F. Kennedy, uh, who is alive today. Yeah, a lot of that, uh, that, that, that ended up going to a different place than I expected. It, 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 it went exactly where it needed to go. Sure, sure. Oh, wait, maybe, I think that school bus or, and or garbage trucks are both passing by like right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize for any background noise on my part. I need an open window. It is very hot in here. Well, it's not surprising it happened when I mentioned the cheap truth that we all should be confronting. Which is that John F. Kennedy was never uh, assassinated? I didn't say it. Who, whoever said that? Uh, you, you did it again, Christopher J. Garcia. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's interesting that when you look at how many things get tied into the satanic panic in particular... And video games was one of the biggest things that did. And as a guy who was a gamer at the time, it was it was concerning how often you would see things about are video games making your kids into Satanists? Uh, yeah. This story takes it to sort of an extreme, which I think is interesting. And one, it's very, very compact. It's not so much a story as it is a setting. A vignette. It could be a vignette. I, I would say it's a vignette. If it didn't have the last sentence, it would be a, it would be a setting. I think a vignette happens just because there is... Okay, sentence two sentences that are actually action-oriented. <laughs> yes, yes. There is, there is a semblance of a plot. It just doesn't come until the last two sentences. But that's the thing, is you don't even need a plot 
this this is all working with the reader, reader's imagination to you know stir up all sorts of of horrors that lurk in the recesses of our brain um with the specificity of the the actual jack the ripper murders as you start to you know uh as you start to recognize them if if you happen to be familiar with them um and with the way that the language evokes uh those you know like psychotic acts and all of it just works together to work with the re the reader who is already coming to this with some you know jack the ripper and the 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 dark fears we have and trying to fall asleep and wondering if you actually locked the window um all that stuff to make for a really terrifying story yeah and i think part of it is we are seeing our main characters who is of course not named um reflected in what we do know about the ripper um and this idea at the time that he was an upper class you know gentleman of the time which was the prevailing theory for a fair part part of the 20th century but you know you have the mention uh of a Rolex, a briefcase. He's a business person, or at least of a higher class than you would expect, you know, people who hang around in arcades. But mm -hmm. we're also pointed to the fact that these, this isn't an arcade in a, the way that we think of arcade, you know, uh, tawdry neon lights from porno movie houses, adult bookstores and flophouse hotels tracked across his eyes like video displays and his fingers worked imaginary buttons and levers as he pushed through the sleazy late night crowds it's obvious that she is making the connection between the white chapel of the 19th century and this neighborhood in the 20th century that would be the 20th yes <laughs> <laughs> we're old <laughs> Uh, to sort of tie them together and to give this idea that, well, this is a Jack the Ripper type uh, only brought forward. And that is definitely, you know, added to by the last two sentences where, lo and behold, uh, this guy to be able to win this video game has gone out and actually committed murders so that he can apply that real world experience to playing the game. Yeah, it's like... Uh there's definitely this feeling of the game is even more real to him than reality, uh, which I mean, Casper was ahead on that because my gosh, you look at some of the games these days and it's like, is this that that's animation? What? <laughs> <laughs> so this idea like, but back then there weren't a lot of games that were super realistic or hardly any in, in, you know, the 1980s. Um, so I, I, I definitely think that she was kind of looking forward to uh, looking towards the day when they're so much more realistic. Um, and I think that's another thing that kind of adds that level of of maybe magic to it, maybe dark magic. It's just the fact that it seems like he's playing a much more complex game and much uh, more modern in its design than what you would expect in 1988. That's very true. And I think the beauty of that is it's clear that Susan Casper is a writer of science fiction, mostly uh, her stuff in the Twilight Zone magazine and in Asimov's both fantastic. Uh, and I think I have read a couple of her short pieces that appeared in Playboy. 
but what's amazing is that she's imbued a sense of science fiction to this, but only to people who have actually played video games at this time, which I sure as hell did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I was, what, like six or something. Um, but, uh, you know, there was an arcade at our local mall. And, uh, you know, we we went there a couple years after this. You know, we would go there sometimes on Friday nights. And, yeah, it, it was it was nothing that could immerse you as deeply i don't think as as what she's describing here and that that i think adds another layer of that little hint of magic that's true and the interesting thing i find here is you know we get this description that it's an ultra realistic video game but then you get at the ending a hangman's noose flashed on the screen as the funeral march roared from a speaker the screen went dark that is such a 1980s 8-bit video game image (laughs) Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I could almost, I, I could definitely like see it. All the like pixelated art and everything. Oh, I, I can definitely see this in the form of like Mario Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's Jack the Ripper side scroller. Come on, this needs to be made. Uh, I would love it if you know, after you committed your fifth murder and you just climbed up the little steps and you jumped and you tried to get onto the top of the flagpole. Um, that would that'd be super. That would be super, yeah. Yeah. But this is a really interesting movie. I really enjoy uh, Casper's voice. And I think the brevity of the story, it's three pages more or less, that allows her to not go one into too many dark alleys, as it were, but really gets the most out of everything we're shown. Yeah, you can tell this was this was really um I well, I don't know. I, I I don't know her writing style. I was gonna say you can tell this is tightly edited down, but maybe she's just the kind who of writer who can put it on the page early and you know knows what she wants and doesn't have to w- look at it and try to figure out what what damn shape is it supposed to be, you know? <laughs> and oddly enough, I know Susan Casper's work more for her editing than for her uh stories, and it kind of shows in the piece. I think, oh, I, it, yeah, I would say definitely. I would, I would have guessed she was an editor, honestly. And I need to start thinking about that and guessing as to whether our, our writers that we read are editors or not. Uh, pretty much all the writers are editors. <laughs> yes, I know. It's it just kind of and it, and it, they're they're natural companions. Those two skill sets, writing and editing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, let me mention though about this anthology. Uh, you can find it's a tour horror book actually called ripper from 1988 it hasn't been reprinted but most of the stories have been uh, included in one of the Otto pensler big book of jack the ripper anthologies but this is an amazing like time capsule of writers i mean you have your the ones you expect uh gene wolf harlan ellison uh the genius and underappreciated uh sp somtow of course pat cadigan robert block but there's a Harry Turtledove piece and a brilliant piece that's, sadly, I wish it was shorter, or I would have said, we should do that one, by John M. Ford, who is a writer who is being forgotten and doesn't deserve to be. Mm. Uh, fascinating writer. Brilliant. Uh, did a lot of Star Trek novels, in fact. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it sounds like there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there. There is. And I got this copy for $2.99 on Ebay. Nice. 
Yes. But yeah, I think this story is very much a, it's an image piece that has just a little bit of movement. <laughs> yeah, but I love that ending. You know I'm a sucker for endings. That's a hell of an ending. That might be one of the better, one of the best ones we've ever read, honestly. Oh yeah, the economy of it is phenomenal. How much power that packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Got anything else in this one there, Christy? No, I think that's about all. We did it again. It's amazing. You know, we should go out on a high note and do this again next week. Yes, that is a fantastic idea that no one has ever thought of. Uh, let's do the story Sticks by George Saunders. Woohoo! Yes, we should. Because this, believe it or not, is short story. Short podcast. And scene.